Hebrews 12, we'll read from verse 4. You have not yet resisted unto blood, wrestling against sin. And you have quite forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. You endure for chastening. God conducts himself towards you as towards sons. For who is the son that the father chastens not? But if you are without chastening, of which all have been made partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Moreover, we have had the fathers of our flesh as chasteners, and we reverence them. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed chastened for a few days, as seemed good to them. But he, for profit, in order to the partaking of his holiness. But no chastening at the time seems to be a matter of joy, but of grief. But afterwards yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those exercised by it. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the falling knees, and make straight paths for your feet, that that which is lame be not turned aside, but rather it may be healed. So far. It's been magnificent over the last days in the conference to read through chapter 11 of Hebrews and to see where it sits in the structure of the book of Hebrews. And it's been wonderful to hear some of the ministry, the ministry we had on the Lord's Day about the sacrifice of the Lord in chapter 10. It's also interesting to see why the verses we have read tonight come placed right after the magnificent things we've had in chapters 8, 9 and 10, even earlier than that in Hebrews, and then the display of faith in chapter 11, and then the exhortation to look unto Jesus, the leader and completer of faith. Why then does the writer come in to talk about discipline, chastening, fixing up. And there's a one phrase in this section which I think 
unfolds and understands, helps us understand the answer to that question. And that is at the end of verse 9. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? The Lord, the, our God the Father is referred to in a number of ways. James refers to him as the Father of lights. That is that constant, there is no variableness nor shadow of turning, I think it says. It's, he's constant. The Father is constant in his light and his purity. The uh, Ephesians, the Apostle, refers to the Father as the Father of glory. And we are brought into an understanding of the outwork of God in the eternal glories of his purposes. Here, he's the Father of spirits. The spirits is what the Hebrew Christians were getting weak on. That you be not weary and fainting in your minds. In their spirits, they were getting burdened, weighed down with the persecutions, with the relentless attacks of the enemy, with the difficulties of the Christian pathway. And at the end of chapter 10 of Hebrews, we had a little bit of the outline of the problems that the Hebrew Christians were experiencing. And the world was getting on top of them. And inwardly, the flesh was giving up and it's the father of spirits that's presented here because God is bringing us and leading us to realise it's not the world that we look for it's not in ourselves that we look for but it's in the spiritual the spirit that's been put into us the life that's in us that's going on to eternity with Christ. And in order for us to go into the, to come into the appreciation of what it is that chapter 11 has been speaking about, of the running with patience, the race that's before us, putting off the weights and the sins, we need to be disciplined. We need, at times, to be chastened. It also says, you have not yet resisted unto blood, wrestling against sin. Oh, there was one man whom that really applies to in the Lord Jesus He went the full way 
into death. We haven't yet had to go, any of us in this room, down that pathway. We've seen it happen around us, but we haven't yet gone right to the end, resisting unto blood, wrestling against sin. But the Lord Jesus has been right into that. And we are chastened. We are corrected. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. That quotation from Proverbs. And it's in a, in a precious place in Proverbs. Do we know where it is in Proverbs? We look at the little footnote and we find it's in chapter 3. And in chapter 3 of Proverbs, it's verses 11 and 12. But what's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 4 and 5? Do we know those? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall protect your paths. Now how many, how many places do we have that written up on the wall of the house in the entrance to To trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. Now, when Solomon wrote the proverb, he wrote it and then said, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. What's the chastening of the Lord? To lean not on our own understanding. Do not rely on ourselves. Do not rely on the flesh. Do not rely on our native and natural talents and abilities. Trust in the Lord, to look unto Jesus, the leader and the completer of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, resisting unto death, despising the shame, going into death, in order that we would be brought to the Father of Spirits. Lean not on our own understanding. So, have we, at verse 5 here reads, and you have quite forgotten, it could be turned round into a question. Have you quite forgotten the exhortation of the Lord? Do not despise his chastening, nor faint when reproved by him. We spoke in the conference about, you know, those times when the Lord called somebody two times? You know, we did Abraham, Abraham, and then we talked about um, Jacob, Jacob, and we talked about Moses, Moses, and Samuel, Samuel. And then we get to the New Testament. Think of... Simon, Simon. What's the context at which the Lord spoke to Simon? Proud. 
bold in his own strength and understanding, making claims which he was not capable of fulfilling. Oh Lord, if you go into death, I'll follow you. Wherever you go, I will follow you. I will never leave you. I will be, you know, the bold claims he made. Think of the response of the Lord. But it was gentle. It was compassionate. Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. What a rebuke. But what a way of delivering the rebuke to him, isn't it? It's, it's a way touching his heart and it took a bit more for finally Simon's heart to be broken but the rebuke was there and one of the other two names was Martha Martha just imagine that scene the Lord's in the house and he's talking sitting there, Mary sitting there Martha comes in. Lord, I'm trying to get dinner ready. I just need some help. I can't get the plates out. I need to get the table done. I need all of this stuff. Can you get my sister to just come and do her job? Oh, what does he say? Martha, Martha. I think it's one of the most beautiful little rebukes that's given in Scripture. So gentle but so directed. Mary has chosen that good part. Lean not onto your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Oh, do not faint when reproved by him. And when the Lord sat at table with Lazarus, And Mary brought the ointment. It says, Martha served, but she served without rebuke because she had it right in order. She was trusting in the Lord at that particular point. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. I doubt any of us have suffered the scourging. Scourging was that terrible activity. Maybe some of our forebears who had to come to Australia in those um, convict ships were scourged when they were a bit naughty and they they had their backs um, broken and flailed by the, the whips. I don't think we suffer that. The, the scourging in scripture. I was talking about earlier. In Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, the Lord prophesies, I must go to Jerusalem. I will be delivered up. I will be scourged and crucified. And will die and the third day rise again. 
John, John's gospel is the only one that actually gives the account of the scourging. And what's John's gospel? It's the gospel of the Son. My Son, despise not the scourging by the Father, the Lord whom he loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. The Lord suffered the scourging of mankind. He suffered it as part of his pathway through the cross in order that we would be brought to the Father of Spirits. We don't have to suffer, but the Lord has suffered that in an amazing way. And the scriptures go on. You endure chastening. God is chastening us. He's continually chastening us. And he uses the example of our fathers after the flesh. I don't know about it in this country, but in New Zealand now, you're not allowed to give your kids a little smack, let alone a big smack. It's a, it's against it. It's a crime. You're not allowed to do it. Some of us were brought up before that became law, and didn't get very many of it. We should, I probably should have got more. We probably should still get more. But Dad was always a wonderful man, even when he had given me a whack. We reverence our fathers. We respect our fathers. Our fathers correct us, and we respect them. And they do it. Indeed, they might only do it for a little while. But look at this. Shouldn't we be in subjection to the Father of Spirits? He is wanting us not to lean on our own understanding. He's wanting us to lay aside every sin and weight which so easily entangles us. He wants us to be looking steadfastly on Jesus so that we can run that race with endurance in order to bring him the glory which he's brought us into. The Father of Spirits is looking to discipline us and to build us up for his blessing. The chastening comes in many different ways. Don't want to go through the list. We've all experienced it. We've all suffered. We've all asked at times why. We've all asked at times what and how. But the chastening comes. And it's all designed. Verse 10. He is chastening us for profit in order to the partaking of his holiness. He's chastening us to lead us into this new life which we have been brought into. He's chastening us 
to turn us away from ourselves and to embrace the faith that we've been given to walk in. The just shall live by his faith. And there's many sorts of chastenings. You can just think for a moment, how have I been chastened in recent times? What response have I had to that chastening? Has it been a little rebuke? A Martha, Martha, or a Simon, Simon? Or have I suffered something that's really quite painful and very difficult? We get chastened, I tell you, we get chastened with old age. Oh, I know we sometimes joke about it, but it tells us that when the grease isn't working in the backbone any longer and the... um, or the, the mind is not actually triggering as fast as it ought to trigger, we learn the body, the flesh, doesn't have the power that I thought it had. But the Father of Spirits is still building me up. So we are chastened in our daily life. Whether it's rebuke, whether it's scourging, whether it's ageing, whether it's loss, whether it's um, (coughs) many other things. I don't need to even go through them because each of us probably has a list which is too long. How do we respond to the chastening? How do we react when we get a rebuke? How do we react when we realise it's going on? Verse 11. Oh, what a verse. Verse 11 is. No chastening at the time seems to be a matter of joy, but of grief. Oh, we might go into our rooms and we might cry. <coughs> Excuse me. The weakness of the body, it's there. We might turn to others and might even start to blame. Blame others? Hopefully we don't blame God for the chastening we're going through. It's not always a matter of joy, chastening. It's grief. It's tears. It's not pleasant. (coughs) The simple chastening of children. Go and stand in the corner and don't come out until you're prepared to say you're sorry. And in the corner, what do we hear? Well, standing there. (laughs) Not fear. Nobody loves me. I'm going to run away. You know, all of these sorts of things. That's grief, isn't it? And even when us big boys go into the corner, it's grief. But afterwards yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those exercised 
by it. <coughs> Father of spirits chastens for profit in order to the partaking of his holiness. Lean not on my own understanding, but lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us, and run with endurance the race that lies before us, looking steadfastly on Jesus, the leader and the completer of faith. What a work that he's doing to bring us into his mind, into his holiness, to be a partaker, somebody who is walking and showing his walk through his pathway. What it is to be a partaker A partaker is someone who's walking hand in hand. Chapter 2, he takes hold of us by the hand and leads us through these things. Everything that we can experience, the Lord Jesus has experienced it. We We don't want to read the whole of Hebrews again, but it's in there, isn't it? It's in chapter 2. It's in chapter 4. The the (coughs) way in which he brings out his sympathy, the way he brings out his experience and sharing them so that we can be a partaker with him in his holiness. That's what we are being adjusted to. Lean not in your own understanding. And the Hebrew Christians were getting a bit overcome with the things that were in chapter 10, with the reproaches and the afflictions, with the imprisonments (coughs) and the plunder of their goods. They They were struggling under these things. What are we struggling under? What's weighing and burdening us where we need some correction, where we need some adjustment? Are we being bold? Simon, Simon, do we need to hear the voice of the Lord? And what a promise. I have prayed for you. What, a, what, a, what an amazing verse back chapter 7, isn't it? Chapter 7, verse 25. He is able to save completely those who approach by him to God, always living to intercede for them. Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you. Donald, Donald, I am praying for you. Each one of us, he's praying for us. The rebuke 
is not delivered as a smack in the face. The rebuke to not trust in in myself is delivered with compassion, with prayer. He is leading and caring. What a saviour. What a wonderful man. Martha, Martha. Oh, are we being overburdened with all the stuff around us that we just, I just can't get beyond the stuff around me. Martha, Martha, where's the good part? Mary has chosen the good part at the feet of Jesus. What a, what a, an exercise for us. Be exercised by it. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down. Oh, we started out the race. We are ready to go. You know the beginning of a race? You ready to go? You going to go? Off. We're going. Two hours later... My hands are hanging down. And my knees, they can hardly walk. I'm almost crawling. And I'm just staggering along the pathway. I need to be corrected. I need to be adjusted in order to run with endurance the race that lies before me, looking steadfastly unto Jesus. May the Lord help us to realise that to walk in the fullness of the faith that we've been studying, we go through chastening, discipline, rebuke, reproof, It's actually quite hard to say those together quickly. Rebuke and reproof. And maybe even some scourging in order that the Father of Spirits would bring us to the prophet of partaking for his holiness. May we be encouraged that in our trials and difficulties the Lord leads us through the moon.